Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. It is the end of our season for you guys. Sal, can you believe it? I cannot. What a season it's been. It's gone so quickly as well. I know it has. We've had so many eye-opening conversations with some brilliant people who have made us laugh and cry and have offered so many relatable stories and insights. It's just been amazing. It really, really has. And guys, we hope that you've enjoyed it and that you've taken lots away from the conversations and the topics that we've covered. And also stay tuned for some really exciting new changes coming to the pod for season five. We've listened to all of your feedback and next season we're upping the content and bringing all of the griefy goodness with a mix of bite-sized and longer episodes. So hopefully there'll be something for everyone. Let's talk about the one particular new segment that we are really excited about. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> it's our little baby. It's called Grievers Anonymous. So how this was born was we get so many messages in our inbox daily from you guys, either sharing, you know, your experiences with grief, asking us questions about grief, or even just, yeah, sending us a little message, which is so lovely. And we also get a lot of requests from people wanting to come on the podcast. And unfortunately our slots are so limited as much as we would love to get everybody on, believe us. Um, we think we have now found a way around this so that you guys can have the opportunity to be on the podcast. So, <clears throat> excuse me, still got a little bit of this virus that I'm trying to shake. But so basically we've set up a hotline and it's a new segment where everyone has the chance to share whatever they like. It can be a message of solidarity to other grievers in the community, a deep griefy confession that you've been holding on to and wanting to get off your chest, or even a question about grief that we will answer on the podcast. And we're just, we're really looking forward to this one, aren't we? So, so looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be a really good space for you guys to just get off like whatever's on your chest. And um, basically how it works is it's a hotline, which is an online messaging service that doesn't cost you a thing. So your message can be short or as long as you want. And it's really just a space for you guys to have an opportunity to share your grief, which we know is really bloody important and we actually already had some really amazing and heartfelt messages so far haven't we yes we have um some that have come through like just so so raw and real and relatable and honest and I think that's what's going to be amazing about this new episode is just I know what people love is hearing that they're not alone in their experiences so the messages that we have had come through are just people laying it all on the table and sharing exactly what's going on for them and I think it's going to resonate with so many of you and we're just really looking forward to it so if you want to get involved you can find the link to the Grievers Anonymous hotline in the show notes or via the link in our bio on our Instagram on that note Sal how are you going mate I've been doing okay my anxiety has been uh 
really high recently. I think I've mentioned it on a couple of um, previous episodes. So I've been really practicing mindfulness meditation, which is something that I've dipped in and out of for years. But recently I've been like, right, I really need to like really try this and, and really give it a solid crack. So it has been helping me catch my thoughts. And I've got a new date this Arvo with a new therapist. <laughs> can't really call it a date can you but you know what I mean I'm trying a new therapist and um I'm really looking forward to that is that fucking weird I'm looking forward to that absolutely um, not <laughs> love that for you um it's my life these days um but yes yeah, so mindfulness meditation and I feel like that ties in really nicely with today's conversation actually it does which is all about anxiety which we know is something that a lot of you guys experience pretty much everyone after grief experiences some form of anxiety. It's so common. Um, I was actually, I came across a tweet this morning, Sal, which I wanted to share with you. Um, so it's from a guy called Anxiety Josh. He's on Instagram and he is an anxiety therapist and everything he says is so bang on, but it actually reminded me of something that we talk about in this conversation where I had a moment where, you know, just those moments where like everything clicks and something makes like, 100% sense like it just made so much sense what like Claire said and I think you even like said something as well which I hadn't heard before which just nailed it for me um but this tweet said if you guys have anxiety disorders you will completely understand this he said my anxiety disorder started when I suddenly felt a bit strange then subsequently obsessed about it then told myself that it wasn't safe to leave the obsession alone until it disappeared whilst watching it <laughs> <laughs> and I can literally relate to that so hard because that is what I do. I spend my days obsessing about how I'm feeling, monitoring for any like weirdness, physical sensations. But there's a, there's a point in this conversation with Claire where we talk about like when you are obsessing about your anxiety so much, it almost becomes habitual. Like it's, mm. you're afraid to not focus on it in case something bad happens and you, you're you not like prepared for it or something. She says it becomes like a bit of a coping mechanism, didn't she? Yeah. So, so we're talking to Claire Bigwell-Smith today, who is one of the world's oh, yeah, leading. I should, I should have said that because no one knows <laughs> who we're talking about. I'm like, surely everybody knows who we're talking about. <laughs> no, like I know a lot of people in the grief space do know Claire, but she's basically one of the world's leading experts on, on grief and anxiety specifically. She's a grief therapist and author, and she also wrote the book, Anxiety, The Missing Stage of Grief, which I think many of you will probably be familiar with. But basically to your point in, when we were talking to Claire in this conversation about all things anxiety, there is so much we cover in this conversation and it it, it was so enlightening, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think what you're referring to is where we talk about worry and how we kind of almost become scared to not worry because it becomes almost like a safety net, a, a comfort blanket. You know, it's like, I feel like yes. the worry keeps me safe and you know I'm always on edge I'm always worrying about something I'm always looking out for like the danger therefore it can't get me or I'm, I'm prepared for it and that th that kind of can then you know obviously become constant and draining and you know all of the stuff that many of us experience but I think that's what you were sort yes, of yes yeah. that was it and I feel like it just related so much to this tweet because that's what I do with my anxiety. Like I'm worrying about how I'm feeling constantly. Like that's how my anxiety manifests is like physically a lot of the time. And so I'm mm -hmm. worrying about how I'm feeling all the time. And if I'm not focusing on that worry, then I worry that something is going to happen to me and I'm not going to be prepared when it does. Like if I have like a heart attack or I faint or anything like that. So it's yeah, 
honestly blew my mind. I was like, that is exactly what I'm doing. I'm like focusing on something, preparing for the worst possible thing to happen, even though it's likely not going to happen, but I'm afraid to stop worrying about that happening. Oh my God, that sounds so confusing. (laughs) And, you know, I think despite anxiety being something that is really common after loss and you know we hear from a lot of you guys that it's something you've experienced and I think every time we do a post about anxiety it always pops off doesn't it yeah. but I think what we might not realize is that it is connected to grief so we mm. really wanted to get Claire on the pod to talk about the topic because we know it's impacted so many of you and obviously it's something we experience too and she has she just had so much knowledge to share on it didn't she there's so many good takeaways in this combo Yeah. And we actually did a shout out to you guys on our Instagram as well about how anxiety shows up for you. And these were some of the most common responses. So health anxieties around like getting cancer, if your loved one died by an illness, like getting the same illness is a big one for a lot of people. Um, Feeling exhausted from anxiety is also a hot topic and anxiety from unexpected phone calls or like somebody not answering their phone, which is something that we can both relate to, can't we? Oh, can relate so hard to that one. Yeah, honestly, even if like just Ben doesn't answer his phone after a few rings, I'm like, oh, worst case scenario, which we're queens of. Um, And then there was also anxiety that someone else is going to die that you love and how you're going to cope with that when you feel like you already can't cope. There are so many ways that anxiety can show up. And this conversation, we talk about loads of different ways. We talk about general anxiety, anxiety and loss, and why we get anxiety after we lose someone we love. And um, also health anxieties, worst case scenario thinking, PTSD, dissociation, Mm. anxiety around big future events without your person. Like there's so much... um, anxiety goodness in this chat so no matter how much how your anxiety manifests guys we really really hope that there's some helpful takeaways um from this conversation all right enough of us enjoy guys Claire we've been following you and your work for some time and it's such a joy to have you join us today thank you so much for having me You've been a therapist for over 10 years and are the author of three excellent books, but it's the topic of your last one that we really want to zoom in on today, and that's anxiety, the missing stage of grief. But before we get to that, can you tell us a little bit about your story with loss and how you came to do the work that you do? I was 14 when both my parents got cancer at the same time, and I'm an only child, so it was just a really big roller coaster for my small family as I went through high school and adolescence. My mom died when I was 18 and then my dad died when I was 25. And so I just entered early life, like very alone in the world. Had a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, a lot of just big thoughts about life, um, a lot of loneliness. And I felt like I was just going through things that most of the people around me weren't going through. You know, all of my friends were post-university, just trying to um, work out their careers and their jobs. And I was trying to grapple with like, why are we here? What's the meaning of life? And how do I deal with all this grief? Mm. Um, I eventually made my way back to grad school and got my master's degree in clinical psychology and became a therapist. I worked in hospice first, and then I opened a private practice, which is what I've been doing for over a decade now. 
Anxiety is something that we both have experienced, isn't it, Sal? And we know many of our listeners do too. And especially with the recent events that have been going on in the world, there's likely a whole lot of people experiencing anxiety. And in fact, you said that the inspiration behind your book was that anxiety impacted so many of your patients experiencing grief that you decided to write a book exploring the topic, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, I had gone through it myself. I started having panic attacks after my mom died. And then I just had a lot of different forms of anxiety as well. But it was because I was seeing it in so many of my clients, you know, I was seeing somebody go through a big loss and then begin to have panic attacks or social phobias or health phobias or kind Mm. of reoccurring catastrophic thoughts. And it was happening in so many of the people I worked with. And I started to write about it online a little bit in just articles here and there and doing so drove even more clients to my office who were going through it. And I thought I have to write this book because I couldn't find anything out there about the connection between grief and anxiety. There were no books on it. There were no other articles about it. And so I put this book out and then it came out in paperback during the pandemic when the entire world was going through grief and anxiety. So, so timely. Your book obviously goes beyond the five stages of grief um, identified by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who obviously no doubt you're extremely familiar with and many Mm -hmm. of our listeners are as well. And I think that it has been extremely validating for a lot of listeners. And talking about panic attacks, actually, we saw a post of yours on Instagram a couple of weeks ago where you shared a photo of you at 18, which um, you you said in the caption, it was a couple of days before you had your first panic mm-hmm. attack. And I know that really resonated with Im because that's something you've experienced a lot as well, Im. And it's, it's something that people don't talk about as much, especially being linked to grief, but it's really important to talk about it. Yeah, it's so important. So many people don't understand what they're going through when they start to go through that kind of anxiety, even when they have panic attacks, you know, so many people end up in the emergency room at the hospital, going to see a doctor thinking there's something physically wrong with them. Mm -hmm. And really, they're experiencing anxiety. And so they kind of make their way to me through a bunch of different routes, you know, going to see if there's something wrong with them physically, then the doctors tell them they probably have anxiety, then they connect the anxiety to their grief, and then they end up in my office. This is why what you do is so incredible. And I think, you know, reading your book was a lifesaver for me. Anxiety is something that I've struggled with since I was about 17, but after mum died, it kind of felt, it felt really different. And I can absolutely relate to the health anxiety. I was even doing it yesterday. I was feeling really Mm -hmm. exhausted and I was speaking to Sal about this actually, but I'm like, I'm just probably just your normal tiredness for a normal person. They wouldn't think into it, but I'm like, what's happening to me? Am I going to die? Am I going to, I was at the shops and I was like, I feel like I could pass out and I'm alone with my daughter. What would happen? Would someone call the ambulance? Mm -hmm. I start going through all of these catastrophic thoughts and I'm just like, this isn't, this isn't normal, is it? But I think it is when you've experienced it loss, right? It isn't normal for someone who's gone through loss. I mean, your story just sounds like so many of the people's I, I speak with every day, um, including my own. You know, I have young kids too. And my greatest fear is that I will get sick like my mom did and die as well. And so it's a, a constant thought that I run up against that I wouldn't have if she hadn't died, if I hadn't gone through that loss and hadn't gone through that kind of grief. Um, 
The good news is that, you know, we can really work on those thoughts. They're going to come. It's going to happen. It's a way of trying to feel like we have control over the world. It's a way of trying to prevent bad things from happening. It's a way of trying to um, just be ready for the next worrisome thing that could happen. Um, and really, we're keeping ourselves in a hypervigilant state when we do that. But there's ways to kind of start to work on those thoughts and not become so captive to them. We would love to know um, a little bit about what, what can really help with um, with those, you know, anxious thoughts. And when you feel like you're in a state of hypervigilance, because I think that's really common in grief as well, isn't it? We yeah. we both lost our mum suddenly. I think mm. whether you lose somebody suddenly or whether it was anticipated, you can feel really on alert for like who's next yeah. or is it going to happen again soon? And I think that's something that we we hear a lot from many of our listeners. So, mm-hmm. yeah, what are some of the coping strategies? What can we do? Yeah, well, I think first normalizing it is really important. You know, when you go through a big loss, like both of you did, just recognizing that you now have a different view of the world. You know, you now know that really unexpected and often terrible things can happen. And so that just makes everything look different and you start to see danger where you didn't before you start to see things that could happen where you hadn't noticed those kinds of things before. Um, And that's directly as a result of losing your moms, you know, and so beginning to recognize that understanding that that response is normal and it's understandable having a little compassion for yourself around it Um, and then. You know, I work with people in a kind of like a two step approach. So when someone comes in, if one of you were to come in and talk about losing your mom and talk about your anxiety, I would really want to know how much have you grieved? Like, what's your grief process been like? What has what's that looked like for you? How much have you been able to grieve? How much support have you had around that? Um, Are there places where you feel stuck or are there places where you're like kind of moving through only one emotion and grief? Are you angry? Are you resentful? Are you feeling guilty? Are you only sad? You know, where are you in your grief process? Um, Because how we grieve and how we express the grief has a lot to do with our anxiety level. So I first would want to be kind of looking at that. And then at the same time, like really working with you on getting to know those anxious thoughts. anxiety really takes over and gets away from us when we give it a lot of power. Um, And the way we give it a lot of power is by being scared of it and kind of like ignoring it every time it shows up, slamming the door on it every time it comes in the room. Um, The way that we get control over it is really starting to get to know it. When are you anxious? What are those thoughts look like? When are you most anxious? Is it first thing when you wake up? Is it random? Do you never know when it's coming? Is it all day, every day? Is it certain places or certain people or certain times or anniversaries? What are the anxious thoughts? Are they health thoughts? Are they about um, natural disasters? Are they about social things? Are they about you know, death and grief? You know, what what are the actual anxious thoughts? And then when they show up, really starting to not back away from them, not shut down um, and also not spiral and follow them into a deep hole right so like yes. if you if you're <laughs> That's like <what> I do. <laughs> if you're if you're if your health if your if your anxiety thoughts are like health thoughts like you worry about your physical body or you worry about illness don't let yourself go down that rabbit hole of like, okay, I'm feeling kind of dizzy. Could that be this? Could that be cancer? Now you're on the internet, you're Googling things, you know, like you're, (laughs) you're going into like some rabbit hole of it all. Um, Recognizing that you're having it, making some logical decisions. Like, do you really need to check on it? If not, if you know that you're just like kind of maybe having a weird dizzy moment, it's probably fine. 
try to pivot, try to move yourself away from it. Like the more you lean into that, those thoughts, the bigger they get, the more power they have, right? So shifting away from those thoughts, not letting yourself get too consumed by them all the time, you know, using mindfulness, meditation, like replacing those thoughts with positive ones. Absolutely. Sorry, that was a really long answer. (laughs) No, it's amazing. Um, One thing that we did read in your book that we both really resonated with firstly was how when you've experienced a big loss, you look at life through a catastrophic lens. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was such a perfect description of of what it's like and living in that hypervigilant state, you're like waiting for the next bad thing to happen. Um, Yeah, and it's like you say in your book, and and like you know what you just just said then it's like because it's more real for you you know you've yeah. experienced loss you've experienced death so inevitably death is real for you in your life now so mm-hmm. we're on guard to, yeah. yeah 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 it's it's I hard feel- not to see it in that new way and not to like look for it in every corner and and worry about it but when we let ourselves worry too much it really creates a cycle it becomes addictive we feel like we're doing something we become afraid not to worry like i have so many clients who will yes. think well i can't i have to worry like if if i don't worry that i won't be prepared Yes. Yes. Oh my God. You just, (laughs) oh my God. This is, this chat is amazing. Like it's almost like you're, yeah, you're too afraid not to in case you, Mm -hmm. yeah. In case that you aren't prepared for that bad thing that's going to happen. So you get stuck in this cycle. Like I can resonate with this so much. It's like a comfort (laughs) blanket in a way, like the worrying, you feel like it keeps you almost like a little bit safe from, from danger. That's sometimes how I feel. That's exactly what happens. And so you've got to be really careful with that because it makes you feel like you're doing something by worrying, but really you're just keeping yourself in that in that cycle and in that stressed out state. Um, so let yourself worry a little bit and then recognize it and be like, okay, I'm gonna pivot my thoughts over here now. I'm not gonna sit here and like spin out over a million different anxious scenarios. I'm gonna think about good things instead. So just really, yeah, trying to focus on something completely different. I know, for example, what was happening to me yesterday, I started spiraling into it and feeding Mm -hmm. into those thoughts and being like, okay, I'm feeling really exhausted. Maybe I'm going to pass out, like start just thinking of something completely different. Is that what you recommend? Yeah, that um, doing something grounding, changing up your environment, calling somebody, calling a friend, just doing anything to kind of get yourself out of those thoughts. Um, For me, my anxious thoughts are like always like that I have cancer too. And whenever I find myself like kind of going into those thoughts, I will recognize that I'm doing it and like make myself stop and picture something really opposite. Like I'll picture being at my daughter's wedding 20 years from now, you know, my kids are little and I'll make myself rather than picturing me dying in a hospital bed in like a month, um, which is what I've been doing. I'll make myself really picture like, okay, no, it's 20 years later. We're all still healthy and alive. I'm at my daughter's wedding and I'll make myself do it with as much detail as I was the fearful thought, right? Mm. Um, And kind of doing that shift takes you away from creating that like rut in your brain that you're going to over and over and over with the negative thoughts. Because it can become a cycle, can't it? You can just kind of- Yeah, it's really addictive and your brain just starts to automatically go there. So you have to do like a little work to- get yourself off of that track. But mm. once you do, it's it's amazingly effective. I mean, I used to be just paralyzed with anxiety all the time. And it was making those decisions to kind of stop that looping track of it and really start making myself think about other things. That was so helpful. 
and being conscious of it, I guess, as well. Because I think when you're used to being anxious all of the time, it just becomes yeah. your your go-to default setting, right? So yeah, it is. And that's to- why meditation is really helpful. Mindfulness is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Anything you can do to kind of bring yourself to the present moment, to step away from all the thoughts. I mean, we wake up in the morning and our brain clicks on and all these thoughts just start, right? And they're kind of like, we don't have any control over them, right? They just start going and Mm -hmm. we start reacting to the environment and we start reacting to what we're seeing on our phone and our thoughts are like, bing, 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 bing. They just go, 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 go. When you stop and do something like meditation and really sit, and you, it's almost like you can take a step back and it's like you can see the thoughts going across the screen, but you don't have to latch on to each one. You don't have to go down the rabbit hole for each one. And so learning meditation for me was really helpful in terms of just learning how to step back and not attach to every single thought I had. And then mindfulness, which is just bringing your awareness to the present moment. and getting really present when we're grieving we're thinking a ton about the past and we're Mm -hmm. thinking a lot about the future so we're dwelling in those two places all the time we're like thinking about what happened and how much we miss our person and what it was like when they were here and then we're thinking about the future and how they're not going to be here and what that's going to be like without them just come right to the present moment and like breathe and get really centered it's so helpful would you say for um any listeners we, we have a lot of listeners who have um experience health anxiety especially if a loved one has died from an illness so would you say that mindfulness and trying to ground yourself in the present is one of the best ways that we can um, cope if we're experiencing health anxieties after a loved one's passed yeah I definitely think it's a really big part of it Um, meditation too like really learning how to distance yourself from those thoughts and not be with them and in them and following them down those rabbit holes all the time but also like addressing some of those fears you know I think when we when we have a loved one die I have a lot of clients who've lost loved ones to unexpected accidents or events and they still get that health anxiety so when we go through the loss of a loved one really helping yourself process that loss. What was it like to experience that? What was it like to see them the way they died or watch them suffer, have them go through something like giving yourself a little space and room to move through some of those big fears. It's really hard to watch people we love go through that. Um, So finding some place for an outlet for some of those thoughts that you may have had going through that. I can relate to that. My mum died by suicide, so it wasn't of natural causes, but health anxiety has been one of the major things that I've been experiencing. Um, I wanted to ask you as well, something that I do feel a lot is, I think the clinical term for it is derealization, where I feel really disconnected from reality. And I find that so frightening. And I want to know, is that something that you see come up with your clients experiencing loss as well, that feeling of disconnection from the world around you? Yeah, absolutely. Like a lot of disassociation. It's a coping Mm. mechanism, you know, it's a way of just like taking yourself out because you can't handle being present to everything. It's a lot. It's a trauma-based coping mechanism. Um, It seems to be becoming more prevalent and more common, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if it's like the technological age that's contributing to it in some way. Mm. Um, It is a like a natural and normal coping mechanism, we can only handle so much, right? We can only handle so much grief, so much trauma, so much sadness, so much Mm -hmm. confusion, anger. Um, So we have to just check out at a certain point. But the problem with that kind of coping mechanism is that you start to check out in good moments too. So doing some work around that kind of disassociation where you're making sure that you are 
finding ways to still be really present and emotional in other parts of your life, even if you're struggling in that one, you know, say around your mother's death. And I think that's where sort of the grounding and the meditation techniques will Mm -hmm. really come in handy, won't they? Just to kind of reconnect with your body and bring you back into the moment. I know I definitely try to really center myself and ground myself when I am feeling like I'm losing control a bit. Very helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Finding ways to be in your body. I mean, I didn't know how to be in my body for years after my parents died. My body was like a scary place. You know, I didn't trust it. I was, I didn't know how it worked. I was afraid of it. And I would go to yoga and I would just cry and cry and cry on the mat because it was so hard to just be in my body. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that finding the right kind of support so that you can find your way back into that kind of safe space is important. And did you feel, where was the turning point for you, Claire? Because obviously you experienced so much grief at such a young age and had a lot of anxiety. You said you were just living in, you know, fear and panic for a long time. Like, where do you really feel the turning point was for you where you started to feel better, I suppose? I kind of, you know, hit some rock bottoms. So in terms of relationships or my like relationship with drinking, my relationships with boys and men, um, I just kept hitting walls and like places where I was like, okay, this is not working. Like this is, this part of my life is just not working. And it was really, um, kind of a combination of things. I found yoga and meditation, which were really helpful, but I also, um, just began to do work that was meaningful to me. Um, just like you guys are doing with this podcast, you know, just trying to find some way to make all what I've been through meaningful and be useful in the world in some way, find some kind of purpose for myself. Um, that was helpful when I started to do that work because up until then, I just didn't feel like anything was, uh, there was any point to anything. You know, I didn't know what I was doing in the world. It's it's incredibly tough when you feel that sort of like, it's almost like feeling like unanchored or unmoored, isn't it? Especially when you've lost both parents and you, you know, you're still so young. Um, So I think the tips and techniques that you've shared throughout this chat are going to be so helpful for so many of our listeners. And talking of listeners, actually, we always throw it out to our audience to see if they've got any questions for guests. And we had lots for you. So we've chosen a few of the top ones. Um, But someone has written in here and asked, since my mum died, I've developed an anxious attachment to my fiance. How Mm. do I control this? That's a great question. Um, I think attachment theory is so interesting. And I, I think a lot about it um, in terms of the work I do, because we do see our ability to be in intimate relationships change um, as a result of going through big loss. And mm-hmm. that's what attachment is really about. Um, I think there's great work out there around attachment theory. There's incredible books. I think that um, when we go through a big loss, like this listener, feeling like you can trust to be in love again, to share your heart, to be vulnerable, to not go through more loss again. When you've been through the amount of loss that that you've been through, you know it's so scary, right? Just to think about ever going through that much grief again. so you have to do a little work to push through some of those spaces, you know, and maybe that means getting a therapist so that you can sort through that. Maybe that means reading a bunch of attachment books. Maybe that means doing some couples work with um, your fiance so that the two of you can understand what's going on for you together and work on it together. So he gets your triggers and, you know, he understands how to work with you when you're feeling anxious and um, pushing him away or, you know, doing things that are making it difficult. Um, but I think it's really worth working on. You know, I think it's important and I think um, it is a natural reaction to it, though, to feel that that kind of anxious 
those anxious feelings around around attachment. So I'm I hope you work on it because it would be a shame too. It just makes it I it makes me sad. I I love that um I love that we get to love so much in this world and when we get scared of it um because we go through loss, uh it makes me sad. So I I, I hope that people continue to work on it and allow themselves to be in love and find love. I think this one as well, Sal, we can both really relate to, like we sort of became (laughs) queens of worst case scenario after our mums died. And like, especially with our partners, like when they don't answer their phone, like even (laughs) after like five minutes, if we haven't heard back from them, I know when my um, uh, sort of soon after my mum died and my partner went out at night and he didn't come Mm -hmm. back at a certain time, like I started to feel like a psycho. Yeah. You know, I've had so many clients talk about this too. And that is really important. Like that's where you have to do some of that cognitive behavioral work you've got to start changing those thought patterns like don't sit there and wait and wait and wait for him to text you back or call you back or come home from work like you've got to start Mm. taking action and not let yourself sit in that cycle of worrying about where he is um starting to really learn those techniques to pull yourself out of those places is really important i have a lot of different exercises in the book that i i hope would be helpful for that scenario You definitely do. And this one here is a biggie and it's something that we've talked about before on the podcast. Why does grief mixed with alcohol make us feel even more anxious? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a really good question. I think initially it makes us feel better. You know, sometimes when we're starting to get a little drunk, we can feel like a loosening of all of those emotions we're holding onto so tightly. We can sometimes let ourselves get emotional in ways that we have been like not letting ourselves do. but often I think that the hangovers and the next day when the alcohol is leaving our system, we go through a lot of different fluctuations in terms of chemicals and hormones. And I think um, I've heard so many people talk about anxiety when they're hungover, um, dealing with after a big night of drinking and that you're, you just, your body feels awful and you're feeling all of those just different kind of changes going through you. Um, And you're also just still grappling with all the kind of emotional fallout of it. Alcohol and grief are good old friends, but they're, they're not necessarily a healthy combination. I don't think, I think they feel like a quick fix sometimes and they ultimately really hurt us. Yes. And oh, the anxiety, the hangxiety is one of our listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Grace has labeled it. It's just it's just awful. it's the worst it's too much yeah, it's too much. yeah. I've, I think I've, if you're going I've, through big grief and anxiety staying away from drinking a lot is a good idea definitely yeah. and it's something we've both scaled back on because it's just it's too much to cope with on top of everything else that's going on you <laughs> yeah. know it's not yeah. worth it absolutely I know. not there's a lot of new um, experiments in the states with people trying um, psychedelics and grief uh, so there's been a lot of interesting stuff around there. I'm not sure how much that's happening in Australia, but um, here there's all kinds of trials and retreats where people are doing psychedelics and 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 when they're grieving, I've heard of a lot of parents who've lost children who are going on these kind of retreats and trips where they're taking mushrooms and doing that. I haven't tried it myself, but one of the things that I've found interesting from the people I've talked to about it is that they report that Um, the psychedelics allow them to be in their grief in ways that they themselves were holding back, Um, which that to me is the notable part, right? So, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what we're after when we're drinking, when we're grieving. I think that's what we're after when we're anxious and we're grieving. Um, We're 
we're holding ourselves back in some way. We're kind of, we can't even like let ourselves fully feel all the grief. Um, and so it's, it's an interesting idea to think about people using something in order to access that grief in a different way, but yes. I haven't tried it and I can't, I can't say for sure what it, what the story is. There's that show, Nine Perfect Strangers. You've mm -hmm. watched it too, Sal, I've haven't seen you? It. Yeah. I don't know if that's the best depiction of what. But I think the idea that we hold ourselves back, that we can't even always let ourselves access all of our grief is interesting. Definitely. It's almost like it's a protective sort of state, right? It's too mm -hmm. painful to tap into. And we've got a listener that's written in and said, how do I deal with the anxiety of walking down the aisle without my dad? I'm worried mm -hmm. I'll have a full blown public meltdown while everyone's looking at me. Do you have any tips for handling grief anxiety in public settings? Obviously, beside running to the bathroom to cry. <laughs> I think... Um... You know, I've gotten married twice now and my last wedding, I cried more that morning than I had in like a decade. And wow. it's just going to happen. You know, it's such a big day. It's such an exciting part of your life. And to not have someone like your dad there with you, especially in that role that's so iconic, you know, the walking you down the aisle role, it's so big. I would do... Um, I would try to do as much pre grieving as possible. So like if it were me, I would imagine myself walking down that aisle without him and like let myself sit and just really cry it out now and like feel it and like tap into all the feelings that you think you're going to have in that moment and try to really picture it like picture what it's going to be like to walk by yourself or whoever you're going to walk with and let yourself really grieve grieve a lot of it now um i think that would help get some of it out of the way and then the other part is like just let yourself cry like let it be like the best and the worst moment ever um put on some waterproof mascara warn whoever's around that it's going to be tough and like let yourself feel everything you don't have to pick one where you're like only sobbing as you're walking down the aisle or only happy you get to be a mix of both right like try to be present and take it all in like be sad that your dad's not here and also look around and like take in the day and the moment and all the people there and like let yourself feel all of it um definitely waterproof mascara <laughs> good tips and I, I think you'd be the perfect person to sort of ask this question it's something sort of on the flip side to this I haven't been engaged and I'm not married I have a three-year-old daughter and a partner mm -hmm. um but I almost like say now I don't want to get married because my mom won't be there and I know a lot of our listeners yeah. say like I don't want to have kids because my mom's not here to experience that and you've gone on to do all of those things you've had three beautiful children and two mm -hmm. marriages and <laughs> how yeah how did you kind of get past those thoughts I don't know like it's not a matter of getting past them it's a matter of integrating them like letting them be part of it it's still hard I still have moments like where I get you know really sad that my parents aren't here and that they don't know my kids um my oldest is turning 13 in a couple of days so I've been a mom for a while now and it hasn't gone away I've just gotten more used to it I do all kinds of things to 
help my kids get to know them. Like I talk about them all the time. I share things that I learned from them. I share recipes. We have traditions that where I'll just really kind of try to bring my parents into their lives. So they're they're thinking about them a lot. Um, I make sure to always say like your grandma and grandpa rather than my mom, my mom and dad. My mom really liked this. My mom loved that. I'll say your grandma Sally loved this. You know, your grandpa Jerry, you know, would have been would have thought it was so cool that you're doing this. Um, so always trying to like remind them that they have these people in their lives that are important. Um, and so it's it's kind of a balance, but you know, I have a lot of sad moments with it, but a lot of really great moments too. And I try to just let it all coexist and not feel like I have to, it has to only be great or only be sad. I feel like we, we, we block ourselves into these weird little categories sometimes where we think we have to be over it, or we think we have to be okay. And it's never going to be okay that they're not here. You know, we had a couple of questions about this. So how do you suggest determining if anxiety medication might be helpful? Hmm. Um, you know, obviously talking to your doctor, I am not at all opposed to medication. Um, the only thing I always want to know in regards to the medication, is there anything that you do need to be really working on though, that you're maybe ignoring or avoiding and turning to medication instead? Is there more grief you need to be doing? Could there, could you be doing some different work around the anxiety, some cognitive behavioral work or some meditation or some kind of thought changes? Um, for some of us, we go through such a traumatic death or the loss itself is so and so impactful that it's just too much. You know, we can only go through so much. We can only handle so much. So anxiety can be great in terms of getting you to a more stable place where you can then start to work on things. Um, we can't work on some of this stuff when we're a mess. Um, so it's really a matter of talking to the doctor, but really asking yourself, are there things that you could be doing that you're afraid to try? Or, you know, do you need some more support emotionally? Do you need to be seeing a therapist? Do you need different family and friends supporting you in a new way? Um, making sure that you're not using the medication as a Band-Aid, um, but that you're using it as a way to kind of also work on it in addition to everything else. That's, that's really sage advice. And something I've heard you say on a podcast before, Claire, that really struck a chord with me is that grief asks asks us to look at every part of who we are to move mm -hmm. through it. And I thought that was so perfectly mm -hmm. um, articulated you know you do have to kind of really work through the anxiety and the grief and uh, you know to, to tackle what's going on yeah it's not just one thing you can't just work on the anxiety you know you really also have to be thinking about how you're grieving and how much you have and how much support you have and where you're blocked up about it and before we wrap, Claire, there's a topic that um, we have been wanting to cover, which has caused a lot of conversation within the grief community. And um, we'd love to get your professional opinion on it. And that is the new DSM-5's diagnosis of prolonged grief disorder. So for any mm -hmm. listeners aren't familiar with what the DSM-5 is, it's kind of like the psychiatric Bible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So the new diagnosis just came out, what, a couple of months ago? And, you know, it's just... Um, I'm mostly not a fan. It's yet another way that we're pathologizing grief and we're trying to fit grief into a box and give grief a timestamp and tell people what grief is supposed to look like. And in that way, it, it does, it's not helpful. You know, grief is different for every single person. Um, grief is so much more complicated and prolonged in general than the DSM allows for. You know, most grief is complicated. Most grief is prolonged. Um, 
the amount of time we give people to grieve is it should be a lifetime you know it's it's so much longer than most people realize so um if it's frustrating and i think often harmful when we put those parameters around it because then it makes people feel like they're doing something wrong if they don't fit into that box However, um, I also think that if the new DSM diagnosis is going to provide access to more healthcare for certain people, then I'm glad for that. We have terrible healthcare in the United States and you know it's really hard to get proper healthcare and proper um, support. So if it's something that's going to allow someone to get more sessions with a therapist or get in to see a therapist in general, then there are advantages to it. But overall, I just worry that people are going to take away that same message that everything about grief has, you know, you're supposed to, you're supposed to feel this certain way for this long. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. Um, but for all of us, grief lasts different periods of time. It, it goes into different parts of our lives. It looks different, makes us feel different. And so putting those kind of expectations on ourselves uh, can have a lot of damage if we're not careful great insights and you know grief is sort of a forever thing isn't it and it's always changing no matter where you are in whatever stages of your life so yeah thank you for your insights on that and Claire it's just been absolutely wonderful talking to you Sal and I've been really looking forward to this chat and yeah it's just been really really helpful and I think we're going to go away and implement a lot of those things that we've (laughs) talked about ourselves aren't we Sal? We really are thank you so much Claire I feel like I've learned so much from this conversation (laughs) and I think a lot of our listeners are going to have some really big takeaways as well so thank you. Yeah I'm so glad. And we're going to link to all of your books in the show notes as well. So if any of our listeners haven't read any of Claire's wonderful books, you can find them there. And yeah, thank you again. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for doing this work and putting these conversations out there. Oh, my gosh. So many good takeaways from this conversation. I loved her realistic take on things, too. And like, let yourself worry, but not too much. And I'm really going to practice catching my thoughts before they spiral. Yes. Yeah, super practical, super helpful, because let's face it, we're not just going to stop feeling anxious or worrying straight away. (laughs) So I like that too. Like just, yeah, let yourself feel it a little bit, but just don't lean into it. Don't spiral, which. What what (laughs) we say the other day when we went, we went for lunch, we're like, oh my God, spiraling. You and I spiral so quickly, so hard, don't we? We do. Queens of the spiral we are. (laughs) Um, Should that, should we rename the pod? Yeah. Um, uh, Queens of the spiral. Anyway, guys, enough. (laughs) We're rambling. A quick request before we go though. If you do enjoy the pod, if you've loved this season, if you have a spare minute, we'd really love it if you could leave us a rating or a review as it really helps Good Morning get seen by others who might need it. And don't forget, before we go, Grievers Anon, guys, get involved. The link is in our show notes or via the link in our bio on Instagram. Send in your griefy confessions and questions for a chance to feature on the pod. And thank you to all of you for all of your support this incredible season. We couldn't have done it without you. And we will be back in your ears in no time with some new and exciting segments. So stay tuned. Bye for now, guys. 